So today we are going to um, continue to uh, dive into our Empowered series, and today I'm going to be talking about judgment and judging and all the things judgy. Anybody here ever been judged? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. I used to ride a Harley, and uh, I would get this all the time. Hey, man, you know what the difference between a Hoover and a Harley is? The dirt bag's on the outside of a Harley. Right? I'd hear that all the time. Kim and I would hear that one. Right? You can use that with all your Harley friends. That's not my joke. You can go ahead, go ahead and use that one. Or uh, how about the time, uh, let's see, it's been about 1997. Kim and I uh, didn't have any kids yet, and so we had lots of, well, not lots, but we had disposable income. And so for us, back in the late 90s, splurging was going to Perkins, right? And we were like, woo yeah, Perkins restaurant. Um, and let me tell you, in the late 90s, Jason had hair like down to here, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get it back before it all goes up, up top here. So, um, so we're sitting in Perkins, and I'm thinking I'm a big spender, right? I'm going to get the tremendous 12. It costs, you know, like 8 bucks, 10 bucks, or something like that. So we're, so we're sitting in this booth, and, and I'm, I'm sitting here, and, and Kim is sitting there, and I've got this long beautiful locks, it's curly, it's flowing, you know, and the waitress walks up, she's like, hi ladies, I'll be with you in just a minute, <laughs> and I turn around and said, that'll be fine, and like, she went like three shades of white, she's like, I am so sorry, right, I am so sorry about that, and so, and it's not bad judgment, right, I, it's just judgy, right, judgy, it's not a big deal, right, right, exactly, so let's just recap what we've done. Um, over the last uh, few weeks with empowerment, um, our, our verse was from Luke uh, 6, 19 is what we started with, and it said, the entire crowd eagerly tried to come near Jesus to touch him and to receive healing because a tangible supernatural power emanated from him and healed all who came close to him. I love that part. He healed everybody that came close. He didn't have to reach out. He didn't have to touch. He didn't have to do all this, Right? They came close to him, and he were healed. They were healed. And so Jesus is calling Connect to live and move in a fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So that's what the empowerment series is about, being empowered with the Holy Spirit. And then in these four weeks, we're focusing on our empowered character, okay? So the character... Um, is a character, our definition is, the definition is, a personality trait of an individual. That's character, okay? But what we have defined character here at Connect is the moral excellence and ethical consistency, right? That's character for us, moral excellency and ethical consistency. And so we've talked about, um, over the past few weeks, we've talked about your passion, how your passion for the Holy Spirit um, your response to injustice, how to empower those who are suffering injustice. And today we're going to be talking about judgment, your judgment. And then we'll be talking about your foundation. So if we go today, so we're talking about judgment today. And the scripture we have is from, so if you have your Bibles or you have an electronic dice, dice, electronic device, device, Android, iPhone, whatever you got, whatever, how you read your Bible. If you want to turn to Luke 6, verses 37 through 45. That is where I'm going to be today, all right? You guys ready? All right, I hope I am. Like Russ gave me this message 
So let's just be full disclosure here. Russ gave me this message like uh, two weeks ago, and I travel for work extensively. Like I leave Monday at 5 a.m. and I get home Saturday morning around midnight, okay? So that's just my travel schedule. And I thought this week, I'm like, hey, I'm going to have all this spare time in my hotel room. I'm going to be able to do this, and I'll be able to work with this. And Kim, usually she throws ideas off of me. I'm like, we'll be able to do this and that, and I'll get this great message, you know, over the next two weeks. Like all things that happen, something goes sideways on the job. And so I'm working, you know, from I leave the hotel at 5 a.m. and I get home like at 8 p.m., right? So by the time I get home at 8 p.m., I am just completely wore out. So then I said, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll, I've got Wi-Fi on the plane. I will finish my message on Friday night when I'm flying home. And so the plane takes off. I'm like, I'm just going to close my eyes for a minute. <laughs> you know what woke me up? Us landing three and a half hours later. I was like, okay, well, that didn't work out. So then I'm like, oh, the next flight. Okay, I'll, I'll, on the next flight from Salt Lake to here, I was like, I got a few hours. I can, I can work on it there. Same thing happened. The plane went up. Jason towed it back, and then the planes hit, and then I, I woke up. And so yesterday, I'm like, I've really got to get this done for tomorrow. So that's what I did all day yesterday was with Kim and I, and we, um, she, so she's a big help. This is a lot of this is her stuff. I just get to be the spokesman today. So. All right, so here we go. Luke 6, verses 37. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back to you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. That's awesome. Give and you will receive. That's great too. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, and to make room for all the more running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher. All the teachers said, amen, all right, yeah. Students are not greater than the teachers, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And don't worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own. How can you, go, how can you think of saying, friend, let me help you, help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye, you hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn brushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. So there's a lot to unpack there, and so... We're going to go for it. So today's big idea is an empowered character, and that is, it is your judgment. Is it others-focused, or is it self-focused? That's our big idea. Your judgment, is it other-focused, or is it self-focused? So whether you want to admit it or not, you're all a little judgy, and I can prove it. What if I had walked, and I did, but I walked out and I left it at home. So I was going to walk up here in a Montana Grizzly sweatshirt. Yeah, see, judgy, y'all judgy, right? And then I was going to take it off, and then I was going to have a Bobcat sweatshirt on. 
Ooh, yeah, but it's a little little hot for that. And the camera's like, your beard's going to get in the way and your microphone. And so I was going to hold him up, and then I walked off and forgot him, right? So y'all a little judgy either way. It's like where we come from, it's Ohio State. Woo-hoo. And then Michigan, go blue. There we go. See, there's always one in the crowd, right? So y'all judgy about your sports teams a little bit, I've noticed. What else are we judgy about? Um, panhandlers. Mm, yeah. Oh, I saw that guy last week, and I saw him the week before, and he probably just trying to buy drugs. He needs money for blah, 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 right? A little judgy. My Pocono Tahira. Um, what else we got? <coughs> How about when you're driving, and you see... And you, and you see a particular state license plate in front of you that begins with C and ends with A. Maybe a little judgy, huh? It's funny because yesterday I got done with this and we had to go to Costco. And we went to Costco and we're at the very end and we're walking out. The doors are closed and somebody comes in. She's like, I just need one thing. Please let me in. Guy's like, sorry, ma'am, we're closed. I just need one thing. Let me in. Sorry, ma'am, we're closed. You're not coming in. Okay. So she huffs back to her car. It's parked, you know, not in a parking spot, but parked along the do not park lane. And she gets into her car, and guess what the license plate said? I was like, okay, Lord, you have a sense of humor, right? Talking about not judging people, and you just put this right here in front of us. All right? All right. Uh, another one of my favorite, uh, <coughs> Tourons. You guys heard that term? Tourons, yeah? Annie's shaking her head, yeah? You know, if you know Touron, it's a tourist who's a moron. There's a whole Facebook or uh, Instagram page if you like that. Tourons of Yellowstone, right? It's the people that think the buffalo are nice and fluffy and they're going to go pet them, right? <laughs> I'm going to pet the buffalo. Or the one I saw the other day was like somebody getting from like me to Kim to a grizzly bear. Like, hey, looky here, right? Okay, Tourons. Um, what else do we judge on? How about, uh, and I was guilty of this for a long time, uh, enthusiastic worshipers. Ooh. What were them girls doing waving those flags this morning for, huh? This is beautiful. Hey, okay, I'm just, it's like, I'm so thankful you guys did that because that was part of my, part of my thing. Because here's my story, right? I grew up in a very, like, straight line denomination, right? I think I told you last week, you, you can't play, we couldn't go to the movies, we couldn't, I mean, all kinds of stuff, right? And so I went to this conference, and uh, it was a, a, a prophetic conference, which I was not like, oh, why am I here at this? And then, like, these worshipers got down, and they're like, they're, like, waving. I mean, like, the big European flags, right? The ones that are, like, on the poles, and they're waving. I'm like, what in the world are these people thinking? Why are they waving flags for? I, I, don't, I don't get this, right? Like, the most I ever saw of flag waves was, was Gladys, who was, like, 97, and she would get filled with the Holy Spirit, and she'd wave her hanky in church, right? That was it. That was all. That's all, that's all I knew, right? I'm just honest. That's just me. That's all I knew. And here's like 50 people waving flags. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Here, and here's the mistake I did. I said, <laughs> I will never do that. <laughs> Whoop. Jason will never wave a flag. And then the Holy Spirit goes, oh, you want to make a bet? <laughs> are you a betting man, Jason? Right? Yeah. Are, are you a betting man, Jason? So Jason had to go down front. In front of everybody, and had to wave this. Wave this I got, so I got this flag, and I was like, "Oh man, 
All right, I waved the flag. You happy? He's like, no, you're not happy, Jason. Get that flag up. And he's like, wave that flag for me, right? So I was like, all right, here we go, Lord. I wave the flag for you, right? So that's why I don't be judgy about people who love to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Because it's going to be like that in heaven, okay? So if you don't like it now, you're probably not going to like it in heaven. I'm just letting you know, right? It's going to be like this, but a whole lot more. So anyway, so we're all judgy. doesn't matter when you say it or you're not. I'm judgy. I found myself being judgy this week. Even as I'm working on this message, I'm like, man, Lord, you just keep bringing all these opportunities for me to, like, confess and repent and say I'm not going to be judgy anymore. And then here I am, wake up, and I'm judgy. All right. We're all judgy. All right, so if we start to look deeper into the first part of the Scripture, I believe Jesus was referring to a harsher judgment he more likely received. All right, so we're talking about the first part, don't judge others or you'll be judged. This is Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about this. Don't judge others and you will not be judged. But like I said, I think he's referring to a more harsher type of than just being judged by what state you're from, what kind of t-shirt you're wearing, you know, things like that. Jesus <clears throat> was beginning in this passage, so Jesus, his ministry had started He's starting, to be, he's starting to become recognized. He's starting to become known. He's becoming known for his miracles and casting out demons and doing all this crazy stuff they had never seen before. And so the, the religious leaders at the time, they were called the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they began to follow him, right? They began not to follow, follow him, but like, hey, I want to get this guy. I want to trip this guy up. I want to, you know, I want to get him to say something, right, that's against us so we can get rid of him. He's just a false prophet, all these things. So they would criticize him. They would criticize his teachings. They would try to disprove everything he did. They would say things like, can anything good come from the town of Nazareth? Right, that's where it's from. Be like me saying, can anything good come from Four Corners? Well, yeah, Connect can come from Four Corners. That's awesome. So as we've all passed judgment on others, more than likely, you've also been on the receiving end yourself, like the stories I told this morning, having long hair, having a Harley, right? Whatever it is, we've all had judgment passed on us, and we've all passed judgment on others. And this is one of those most quoted, you know, verses from an unbeliever, right? They all know John 3.16, right? Because it's every football game, every basketball game. But they also always like to throw out what? Don't judge me, Right? thought you Christians weren't supposed to be judgy. thought you weren't supposed to judge me and my lifestyle choices and whatever it is, right? Whatever the current thing is of the day. They always quote that. You Christians weren't supposed to judge me. But if we look at the scripture, judging, which is the Greek word krino, krino means it has to do with evaluating and forming opinions, whether positive or negative. So do not judge, don't form an opinion. And then it says do not condemn which is more negative and has to do with pronouncing guilt. And I'm not even going to try to attempt to say this word. I'll attempt it. Katadikazeti. Katadikazeti. Something like that. Talking, speaking in tongues. All right, just, yeah. Katadikazeti. Okay, maybe. I'm probably, my Greek is off. Uh, so what I'm thinking is Jesus is addressing a behavior that involves hastily passing judgments on other presuming to take on his authority. When I judge, when I make condemnation, when I do things like that, I'm taking on God's authority. 
and I'm not the judge. We aren't called to be, <laughs> this is hard for some Christians, not here at Connect. Some people like to be the judge, the jury, and the executioner. I did my first funeral when I lived in Columbus, Ohio. It was a, a family friend of ours, <coughs> and uh, we rode Harleys together, right? Um, and they had a son, and he was kind of in and out of, of uh, drug use. He had some problems, and he kind of got his life squared away, and uh, he drank, I'm not kidding you, the, the guy drank like eight monsters a day, which that ain't good for you, and uh, I'm not sure if that's what happened. Anyway, long story short, I had to do his funeral, and I knew at one point in time because I had led him to Jesus, but I don't know what had happened in the last year since I had seen him last, and so the mom comes up to me at the end and says, Jason is Johnny in heaven. How do you answer that? Right? Is Johnny in heaven? I don't know anything about his life since then. I don't know if he's repented. I don't know if he's living in sin. I, I don't know, right? But what I did say was like, you know what? At one point in time, I led Johnny to Jesus, and I hope he was living with Jesus, but that is not my call. I, I don't know. I just don't know. I'm not going to tell you yes when I don't know. And I'm not going to tell you no, right? That's the worst thing you could ever say to a grieving parent, right? No, your son's not there. I'm not the judge. I'm not passing judgment. That is not my judge, my job. We aren't called to be the judge. I'm not called to be the jury. And I'm not called to be the executioner. What I am called to do is say, that's the way. That's the way. Jesus, he's the way. He's the way. That's what I'm called to do. I'm called to show them through my life, through our lives, through the way that we do things. This is the way. Jesus. In addition to not being judgmental, in, in verse 38, Jesus calls us to forgive others. How many say, it is really easy to forgive people? Glad nobody's lying in church this morning, right? Forgiving others. <clears throat> he calls us to forgive others. It's not always the easiest thing to do. So he says, don't judge. Don't condemn. Uh, forgive. And then he goes on to tell us, and to give. To forgive others, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaking together to make room for more. Running over, pour it into your lap. So what's he telling us to give? I don't think it's money in this context. Everybody wants to tell you, right? Hey, just give, and it will be given back to you. Give me $100 to my ministry, and the Lord will bless that by tenfold by next Tuesday, right? How many have seen that on TV? All right? All right? I don't think it's talking about giving money. It's talking about giving judgment and condemnation. Oh, boy. Right? I give out judgment. I give out condemnation. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to come back on me. 
So it's not a prosperity mindset. Like I said, don't give me $100 and I'll increase it. It's not about money. It's about giving judgment. It's about giving forgiveness. Jesus is conveying that what you give to others, be it judgment or forgiveness, will come back to you in a similar measure. If you offer forgiveness sparingly, you will receive only small amounts in return. However, if you generously extend forgiveness, you'll find yourself overflowing with it, with it. And that's one of the laws of sowing and reaping. Second Corinthians tells us this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful, cheerful giver. And again, it's just not about money, right? He loves you to give your time helping out in the back. What? You want me to help with the kids? Are you sure? Giving of your effort. It's just not about money. It's about giving everything that you have for the kingdom. Galatians tells us this, Galatians 6, 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. What a man reaps, he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So Jesus is talking about judging enemies, forgiving enemies, and lending to enemies. When he says, give and it will be given to you, he isn't saying that if you give to your enemies, they will always give it back to you. We're not expected for them to return our generosity to our enemies, right? Or for them to return it back to us. It's our job to forgive and say, Lord, this is yours now from now on. And that's the great thing about living life in God's kingdom. He's always going to give you back more, more, and more, and more. And in this instance, Jesus is teaching his disciples to be faithful and to obey me, and then surely you will be repaid. But it doesn't say you will be paid now. Maybe not now, but in the future, fully, completely, overwhelmingly, be faithful for the reward is surely to come. For the it is in generosity toward our enemies, too, that we can't outgive God. All right? So judging, condemning, forgiving our enemies, right? We do it, we receive more of the same back. We receive the forgiveness, and we forgive the faithfulness, and we get all those things poured out onto us, all right? That's where we're at, judging. All right, so point number two, if you've got your notes, um, why do we judge others? And the reason is because you probably can't see clearly. That's in your notes, I believe. Can't see clearly. All right, this is verses 39 and 42 through 42. Then Jesus gave them the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than the teacher, but their student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Or some things say plank, some say timber. Why do you have a log in your eye? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. In your friend's eye. 
So I think Jesus is trying to be a little bit humorous with these verses. The point of the first image, the blind can't lead the blind, is that we must be careful when choosing whom to follow or we could stumble into a pit alongside our blind guide. We have no business trying to guide others unless we ourselves can see clearly. Connor, can you help me? All right, Connor has a toothpick, okay? Connor, okay, here's what Jesus is saying. Connor, here's me. Hey, Connor, you got that little, you got that little uh, toothpick in your eye over there. That's your sin, and maybe, Connor, uh, maybe, Connor, you shouldn't do that anymore, okay? And it's the same sin, right? It's made of the same thing. It's the same, the plank and the splinter, right? So look at this. I can't even reach Connor's, I can't even reach his sin because I got this daggone plank sticking out of my eye, right? Hey, Connor, I don't think that uh, maybe you should gossip anymore. Hey, y'all, did you hear about Russ and Chris, what they're doing this weekend, right? I mean, that's what it is, right? It's the plank versus the speck. Thanks, Connor. Good job, Connor. Right? This is your plank. This is your own sin. Right? I could whack somebody. Maybe later after after service. See, I couldn't even, when Connor was holding that speck, I couldn't even, because of this daggone plank in my eye, right? I can't even. So what Jesus is telling us is like, you got no business telling other people not to do something or not to sin when you got this big old thing sticking out of your own eye. All right? No more planks in your eyes. Now, here's the other thing. Jesus is not telling us, hey, getting ahead of myself. No, I'm not. I kind of remember my notes. This is a lot harder than it seems up here, okay? I'm just telling you, it's, it's, it's hard. All right, so notice Jesus doesn't say, hey, you can't care about their speck, right? He's not saying, hey, don't, don't, I lost my speck. That's a good thing. Don't, you know, you can't, you, you can help them, right? But he's saying, don't pass judgment, don't condemn them when you got that big old log sticking out of your own eye, right? The point is this, until we take the time to deal with our own sins, our own weaknesses. We're in no position to help someone get rid of the sin and their own life. Right? The reason <clears throat> we're in no position to help is because we can't see clearly. I've got a daggone plank in my eye. Some Christians, when they read this passage, they think of themselves with the one with the speck in their eye. And everybody else has the log, right? This, no, this, I don't have that log. I just got this little speck. I just got a little problem with sin. I don't have a big one like some of those, uh, you know, those reform people. Oh, yeah, I know, stepping on toes now, ain't I? Christians, we judge each other the harshest, I think, right? Oh, yeah, like me, the whole flag thing. I ain't never waving a flag. <laughs> Guess what, Jason? You sure are going to wave a flag, right? Right? Or the version of Bible. Oh, my gosh, that Connect Church, they read out of the Passion Translation sometimes. 
not New King James Version 1792. Right? See, we're all judgy. We all pass judgment. We all got specs. Goal is to look at yourself first. That's what Jesus is saying here. Move the plank from your own eye. You're not the one with the speck. Speck. A lot of times we're the ones with the plank. In Jesus' time, I think he dealt with some old plank eyes. That's what I think. At least look at all these plank eyes walking around here, right? And I believe he was talking about the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the self-appointed correctors of everyone else in society, but too often they miss the spirit of the purpose of the law. So the Pharisees, they set up the law right, <clears throat> and then they built what they called was fences. So it was, let's say it was, hey, you can't touch, I'm going to use an example, you can't touch the black table, okay? That was the law, do not touch the black table. And then they would set up what they called a fence, and then the fence would keep you from that, and it would say, do not touch a table. So now I can't touch a table, so that prohibits me from touching a black table. And then it was, okay, not only do not touch a table, but do not touch anything that can make a table, right? So they just keep building what they called fences. So the goal was to keep you away from this sin, but then they would add 16 laws in front of that to prohibit you from doing basically anything. And so at one point in time, in Matthew 23, Jesus had this to say about them. <clears throat> it says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore more important aspects of the law, like justice and mercy and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect more important things. You blind guides. You strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, <laughs> but you swallow a camel. Jesus, he's, you know, he's, I think he's ornery sometimes, right? That's just my, what, what do we call him? Uh, Jehovah Snarky. Yeah, that's what we call him. Jehovah Snarky. He's a little snarky sometimes, right? Hey, you don't want to swallow a gnat with all your laws and everything. You hypocrisy, you're really swallowing a camel, right? So now we got talk about big planks coming out of your eyes. And you talk about swallowing camels. I just think he's a little bit funny sometimes. And so his statement is that the accuser's sins are much more greater than the sin they're seeing in others, the plank. And here's the thing that I've learned is that Satan loves to keep your attention on anything else as long as we don't fix the sin in our lives and remove the plank, right? So I'm walking around. I don't realize it. I'm walking around with this daggone plank in my eye, but I don't realize it because I'm so focused on your little speck or I'm so focused on your sin. I'm focused on everything I can't. He gets me to focus on everything else besides my sin. And he does things, and then we ask things like this. When was the last time you were more concerned about the sin in your own life than you were about your checkbook? Hmm. When was the last time you were more overwhelmed about your spiritual failure than you were about your car breaking down. When was the last time your heart broke more over your own spiritual needs than your physical needs? Quiet. When was the last time you were more upset? This is me. When was the last time? This is speaking to me, all right? 
When was the last time you were more upset about not reading your Bible today than you were not getting a cup of coffee from Starbucks? And I'm preaching to myself, right? Because point number three is, it is your job to judge yourself. It's your job to judge yourself. Verse 43 says, A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Right? Can an apple tree make oranges? Nope. Figs are never gathered from the thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasure of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart, right? This and this are connected. And sometimes when this and this are connected, this goes into this as well, right? Or this goes into this, right? <laughs> Just be real. That's right. I've heard people say, I'm not called to judge people, but I am called to be a fruit inspector. <laughs> that may be true, but whose fruit is Jesus asking you to inspect? Ooh. Based on the previous passage about the log being in your eye, I think it's clear Jesus is talking about us inspecting our own fruit, right? I'm not a fruit inspector. I am a self-fruit inspector. Because a plant's produce is the natural outgrowth of its character. A good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit or no fruit. So how do we produce good fruit in our own lives? <clears throat> so I did a little research on orchards. Fascinating. I just thought you planted the seed, you watch it grow, pick the fruit, woohoo, made a profit. No, 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 no. Fruit experts say that you don't necessarily get better fruit from bigger or more beautiful trees. Lots of trees may be beautiful to look at, but they don't produce the best fruit. I thought bigger trees, bigger fruit. Jason was wrong. Orchard experts say that when you see a tree full of lush foliage, which is what I thought you wanted, when you see a tree full of lush foliage, it probably indicates that lots of nitrogen is being used to cultivate that tree. Lots of nitrogen, although it's great for foliage, produces sour fruit. Hmm. Didn't know that. Um, weeds. Orchard experts purposely plant certain weeds around the trees and let them grow as much as they want. Why do you think they do that? Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. Um, to get rid of nitrogen, they use the correct weeds. Those weeds will leave behind a special blend of nutrients that is perfect for fruit growing. Hmm. And then, yes, the weeds attract a certain bug that eats the bad bugs. Who knew? They rarely use fertilizer because they cause too much growth too quickly and therefore produce weak trees and a fruit with no flavor. Watering is an art form following a carefully worked out, highly regimented routine. Didn't know that. I, trees need winter. Hallelujah. I am a tree. I need winter. It is too daggone hot here. 
in Montana. Yes, I'll say it, I'll say it. Snow could come tomorrow and I'll be dancing for joy. See, I'm judging all you who don't like winter right now. Thanks for causing me to sin. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. And you all judging me because I like winter, right? I spent the last eight weeks, it was like 116 degrees. So winter, come quickly. That's right. In the name of Jesus, we declare winter. Ain't <laughs> y'all judgy. Judgy, judgy. <laughs> oh, okay. Where were we? Trees need winter. It says they don't need freezing cold, but they do need, certain trees need between 6 and 900 hours of temperatures below 45 in order to produce the best fruit. We actually, and we took a, um, a, a tour of a vineyard in Michigan, and they were talking about their need for snow. They needed like five feet of snow because it insulated their crop for, for the winter, the harsh winter. They actually needed snow. So, huh, snow is a need. Oh. <laughs> Oh, all right, getting judgy. All right, all right, so how do we apply all of this to our own lives, right? Rabbit trails, we're getting somewhere. Russ, if you're, watch, Russ, if you're watching Russ, we're sorry. All right, how do we apply this as lives? Just as, full, just as a fool and a lush tree don't necessarily produce the best fruit, so also a person looks flowery and behaves like they are Spiritually rich may in fact the worst trees to gather fruit from. Just because you carry your Bible and you can quote Scripture and you can do all this other stuff doesn't mean you're the best person for me to follow, right? I got wrapped up in that trap. thought I was following somebody who was awesome and, and great and uh, knew the Scripture and all those things, and it was just words right? Actions did not represent what they were doing behind the scenes, all right? Careful who you follow. And just as a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit, so also a good person produces good and an evil person produces evil. It's not how you appear or how you act or how you dress that matters. What matters is what's in here. What matters is your heart. And when you have a good heart, you produce good what? Fruits. All right. And when you have a bad heart, you produce bad fruit or no fruit. All right. Bad fruit, no fruit. The weeds in our lives. What are some weeds? Thistles, yeah? Speaking metaphorically, what's, the, what's a weed? For me, sometimes, it's a job. Or what else could be a weed in your life? School, TV. So, yes, social media, cell phones. What's that? Mental health. Yeah, weeds in our life, right? They're just growing up. Do you know that God can actually use that to strengthen your freight? Strengthening your faith and fruit-bearing abilities by leaving behind better nutrients in your life like love, peace, patience, joy, 
long-suffering. So sometimes weeds can leave behind good things. And then there's the pruning. God only wants the best fruit to proceed from you. And sacrificing some of the early fruit will encourage you, will encourage the remainder of the, the remainder of the fruit to grow big and sweet. I think I skipped over that. Because I talked about the winter. Yeah, and you all booed me. All right, then the frequently it says, uh, orchard experts out there will be out early in the growing season, cutting away most of the brand new, just formed fruit. May, may seem silly to throw away over half your crop, but they know that it's better to get 50 peaches bursting with juice and flavor than 500 small and sour peaches. So they prune. They prune away the stuff, much like there's pruning for us. God only wants the best fruit to proceed from you, and sacrificing some of the early fruit will encourage the remainder to grow big and sweet. All right, so how do we judge ourselves? Okay, and when I'm talking about judging, okay, I'm talking about self-judgment, not self-condemnation, okay? Two completely separate things. There's judging myself, Am I living a good life? Am I doing the right things? Right? Am I not gossiping? Am I reading my Bible? I'm not reading my Bible right? That is self-judgment. Then there's self-condemnation. Man, I wish my stomach was a little bit flatter. Man, I don't like the way that I look. Man, I don't like... Uh, I wish I was like... I wish I was more like Colt. I wish I was so much better looking like Colt, right? I wish I had this. I wish I had that. I wish I wish I wish I wish I wish I wish I wish. That's self-condemnation. That's not okay. I'll say it louder for the people in the back. Self-condemnation is not okay. My Bible tells me that I was made in his image. So if I am made in the image of my creator, do you think he makes junk? Do you think he said, man, I messed up when I made Jason? Nope. Self-condemnation. Not okay. Self-judgment, looking inwardly, that's good. So how do we do that? First thing, you compare yourself to God's standard. All right, that's how we begin to judge. We use God's word as the ultimate benchmark for our self-judgment by comparing your thoughts, your actions, and your attitudes to the Bible, to the word. You can identify areas where you may fall short and need to seek forgiveness and transformation. Every day I compare myself to a standard and I realize that a lot of times I come up short. All right? I mess up. I make mistakes. I say things I shouldn't say in times of frustration. Although last week, I think it was Thursday, I realized I hadn't made one mistake all day long and it felt amazing. Then I shut off the alarm, and I got out of bed, right? And I said to myself, Lord, why did you make it so hot in Texas? I don't like this, right? I started complaining, first thing. 
I'm preaching to myself. So, <clears throat> compare yourself to God's standard. Second way to judge yourself is through confession <laughs> and repentance. When you become aware of sin, i.e., such as judging, self-condemnation, um, shortcomings in your life, approach God with a repentant heart. Acknowledge your failures, confess your sins, seek forgiveness, because he's full of grace and he's full of mercy. He never turned you away, right? That's just the way he loves you. You can come to him with anything. He's never going to say, uh-uh, Jason, too far. You went too far this time. The Bible assures us that he is faithful and just to forgive us. We confess our sins. That's in 1 John 1, 9. Genuine repentance involves turning away from sinful behavior and seeking to live according to his will, right? So repentance is more than just saying, okay, Lord, I'm sorry I messed up. Repentance is actually completely turning away from sin. Here's sin. It's not saying, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry, right? It's, here's my sin, and I'm going to walk away. That's repentance, okay? So, confession and repentance. Realizing what you've done, asking the Lord to forgive you, and then turning away from your sin. And sometimes, turning away from your sin means, this is not sin anymore, it's water, okay? <clears throat> not picking back up my sin. I want to let you know. Not enjoying my sin right now, okay? <clears throat> Sometimes the process of getting rid of your sin <clears throat> might mean that you uh, have to delete your Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all your social media accounts. Sometimes it might mean I got to switch my friends. I can't hang out with the same people anymore, right? Why? Why? Because they got lots of these, and I'm trying to get away from them. I've got to repent. I've got to turn away. It means I've got to get rid of some things. Got to get rid of some friends. Got to get rid of the internet. I've got to get rid of cable TV. I've got to get rid of whatever. Right? There's a lot of things that we may have to get rid of. So just be aware of that. Not always easy, right? Stepping away from a lifestyle that you've known for so long. But here's what I know. There ain't nothing better than Jesus. Yeah, so what if I can't figure out what the Jones did last week or what they had for dinner because they took 800 pictures of it? Might just have to let those things go, not know anymore, right? All right, and the last thing, uh, how do we judge ourselves? Seek wise counsel and accountability. Okay, remember I said earlier, there can be the people that are flowery and they look like all high and mighty and they carry their King James 1792 Bible around, right? And they can quote all the scripture, but they got no fruit, right? No fruit. Seek wise counsel. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, <clears throat> where there is no guidance, a people fall. 
But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Surround yourself with godly and wise individuals. And how do we do that here at Connect? Small groups, shameless plug. They're starting when, John? September? September 10th. All right, you can gather yourselves with wise people, right? That's how we do it here at Connect. Or maybe next Saturday or Sunday, next Sunday, at our barbecue, you sit at the table with some wise people. Maybe like uh, the Birkenpass. You hang out with them next week. They got some wise wisdom up there. Yeah. Especially Pam. She's shaking her head. Yeah. I'm smart. Look who I married. I'm really smart, right? That's what Doug, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So next week, <clears throat> wise counsel. Surround yourself with godly individuals who can provide guidance, accountability, and constructive criticism. Constructive criticism is good, right? Hey, I see this in your life. I'm just saying. You might want to change that. As long as you don't have one of these in your eyes, okay? They can help recognize blind spots in your life and offer support in your journey towards spiritual growth and maturity, right? When I was a, a newer, um, newer Christian, um, when I really got on fire for the Lord, I had a couple guys that came alongside me, and they walked me through some of these things, right? I wasn't living a great life at the time, but they got a hold of me. They gave me wise counsel. Hey, Jason, you're doing this. You probably don't want to do that anymore. You're hanging out with this crowd. You probably can't do that anymore, right? They gave me, they gave me wise counsel. And lastly, remember that self-judgment did not lead to self-condemnation but rather to seek self-correction and reliance on God's grace for transformation. It's vital aspect of living a life that aligns with God's will and brings about positive change in not just yourself, but in others.